welcome to Restoring Relationships podcast. I am super honored and blessed to have with us today, Pastor Drew, um, and just give some context to who he is before we dive into our interview today. Um, Drew, Pastor Drew is not only a pastor at Northridge Church here in Rochester locally um, in New York, he also is a father uh, to four beautiful children, one to be born soon, and a husband as well. And so that alone carries so many uh, different titles to all that he does, not only for our community, his community, our community, but also his beautiful family. So it's an honor today to have you with us, Pastor Drew, and I'm excited to dive deep into how you bring restoration and healing within our communities and beyond. So thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to, to share and be here with you. Thank you. So, so I know I just shared with our listeners more about you, just a tad bit, but I'd love to give you the space, Drew, to tell us about yourself. Um, how did you get to where you are today? So take us on a journey of your path. Um, we're excited to hear. <laughs> yeah, so I grew up in a Christian home, had an amazing mom and dad. You know, they brought me up in, in who Jesus is. And so at seven, um, I gave my life to the Lord and I surrendered to his gospel. And from that moment on, my life dramatically changed. Um, and I would say about 16. Um, if I look at my life, I look at some pinnacle moments, seven years old when I met Jesus. And then 16 was when my dad owned an insurance company. And so you know, growing up, you kind of knew you went to college, you found a wife, and you went into, you became a partner in the in insurance firm, and you were going to be successful. Um, but at 16, God got a hold of my life uh, through a youth service. Um, our youth pastor asked us to, uh, asked me to preach, and I was like, nah, I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm too cool for that, right? Um, and my mom was like, mm, I think you should do it. And you know how moms just have the, that way of just like, making you do things you don't want to do. Well, that's time. my mom. <laughs> oh, and so I did it. And I don't even know what I talked about. But in that moment, as a 16-year-old boy, God was like, I made you to do this. And this is what I want you to do the rest of your life. And so as a 16-year-old boy, I was like, I want to be a pastor. And I chased that dream. And so I went to Bible college for four years. I went to seminary. And at 20, I was a youth pastor in Baltimore, Maryland was there for about two years, went to Georgia for 10 years where I was an, a high school pastor and executive pastor. And then after around 12 years of ministry, God called me back home to Rochester where I'm the lead pastor at Northridge Church. Wow. What a journey. <laughs> I, I, I love to hear people's stories because our paths are so different. Sometimes there's similarities, but it's just so unique how God orchestrates our path. Um, and he called and ordained you to, to, to do what you do today. Um, and as a result, the impact of your obedience um, is powerful. And uh, I just know the impact on me and my friends who attend Northridge. Um, and not biased, it's just evident the impact that Northridge has had in our community. And so I'm excited to be a testament of your obedience. Yeah. And um, being able to, to see the difference is that you bring forth and that the community that you established has as well. So, so thank you for kind of diving and, and sharing more about, about your past and your path to where you are now. And so I guess my next question for you is, would you say who impacted you your path most? Who would you say really, you know, 
Yes, God, clearly, right? And it could tie into anyone else that he's kind of brought into your life to make sure that you stayed on that path that he had for you. Yeah, I mean, obviously God, but God works through people, right? And I think we all can look at our life and be like, man, God used this person in my life. And I think above anybody else, my parents, um, specifically my dad, um, you know, I lost my dad uh, two years ago and it was a devastating blow because my dad was my hero. He was my example. Um, and he had such a significant impact on my life, um, from the way I look at Jesus to the faith that I have to the dad and husband that I want to be. And so above anybody else, my dad and my mom have left a mark on my life that I can't even explain. And I'm very thankful for. And then in the midst of that, there was a lot of different people who have come into my life and and had, we didn't know a single soul in the state of Georgia. And we met this couple, their name was Rodney and Cindy. We call them our Southern parents now. And they loved, they loved us like, like we were their kids. And, you know, they, they have had a huge impact on my life. I think of like other pastors, um, like I'm a huge Stephen Furtick fan. I, I love on. the way he preaches. I love his intensity, his passion. Um, I think of Michael Todd. I yes. like, man, that guy is like, I'm like, I want to be like you when I get older. <laughs> I'm 35 now. So I'm like, Drew, you got, you got, you are older. So, <laughs> but there's just a lot, I, there's a lot of people in my life that God yeah. has used. And, you know, it's just a reminder of like every time you have conversations with people, God can use you to impact people's lives in small and in large ways. I couldn't agree more. And I think that's the key to, you know, the vision and mission behind starting restoration, um, restoring relationships and creating that space to share how we can bring restoration and healing to spaces um, because, you know, it takes a village. And God does work through his children. Like he put us on earth to work through us um, to, you know, bring heaven on earth. And I, and that's, that is very near and dear to my heart. And I know that's a part of my mission um, as a child of God and for the kingdom. Like I'm here for the kingdom and to bring kingdom on earth. Um, And so how, how else to do that through, you know, him and the way of healing, like the world needs healing and Mm. God is the perfect healer. And so I think it's just key that we utilize each other um, and, and support our communities to bring forth change that's needed. So I think this is a great segue to ask, how does someone go about bringing forth restoration and healing to those within their community? Um, and you can even share your own personal experiences for this. Yeah, I think you start by listening to the hurt that's there. Right. I think so many people try to change things before they even understand things. And I think one of the huge missteps just in our culture and in our community is I want to first understand the pain that's there, the hurt that's there, so I can know how to bring healing. Right. It's like a doctor. And if a doctor doesn't know what's wrong, how can he fix the problem? And I think we have to view our community that way. It's like we have to take time to empathize with the pain that's there. We have to understand it so we can go about bringing restoration to it. And so I think the first step is I've just spent a lot of time just talking with people in our community, building relationships with people in our community and trying to understand what's going on, what's good, what's broken, what needs fixed. 
And that way, when I do try to bring restoration, I've built trust. Another thing that I think is huge is just trust. And the only thing that builds trust is time and relationships. And so I think you got to listen, you got to empathize, and you got to take time to earn and build that trust in people's lives. So you have a space to be able to say, hey, I would love to help. And how can I help? Rather than just jumping in and saying, we're here, we're going to fix the problem. Most people who say that never do. They just create a bigger problem. Oh, good. Yeah. And, and so, and, and you know this, right? You've been in this. Healing and restoration isn't like a snap your finger type of thing. It's a long journey. You got to be committed to the process and it takes time. And so I want to be the type of guy and leader. I want our church to be the type of church that's willing to take the long road to see healing that comes and stays, not like a temporary band-aid fix of like, oh, this feels better. That's so good. And I and I feel like, you know, too often when people are in these spaces, it's about a, it's about rushing and, and getting to the end goal. And it's and that's there can't be true healing and restoration if it's rushed. You know, um, God, I believe, is not an he. He's not an he's not an impatient God. Like he has called, he has taught us to have the spirit of patience, and so I don't struggle with that to be honest. But I also know that in this work, I can't. I just listen. I was just on the phone. It's it's so funny. A little off topic. I'm I'm pursuing my doctoral program, so I'm pursuing my doctorate in educational leadership. And my dad's like, Brian, just slow down. And literally the lady on the phone, she's like, I love you for the program. And, and I, I just felt a peace about it because she's like, you know, I can sense your heart, your passion. But she also told me to slow down. And I literally stopped and said, lady, listen to this. It is hilarious how you're in Buffalo. We're on a phone call. And God's even using you to tell me to slow down. Yeah. This is funny. And I feel like it's confirmation that I need to be in your program. So all this to say, like, yes. I know as humans, we are naturally drawn to like the fast, quick fixes. Yeah. I can even say that myself. That's right. But there's some, t- there's no good in that. And so I'm thankful that God in myself is showing me, reflecting and helping me to bring it back and be willing to go through the trenches to get the true fruit, right, yeah. of, of our labor as children of God, right? And and in our labor as uh, community members to bring forth healing and restoration. But I love those key points you highlighted. It takes us just being listeners. Mm. Too often we want to just be heard. Mm. And uh, I think that we need more people who are willing to just hear, listen, and create spaces for that. And for authentic conversations, authenticity, that is huge. Um, And and in my work as an educator, like my goal every day is to create a safe space for my families, my students, and my teachers to be honest and real with me. And you Mm. said that. You said that trust is key to change yeah like you know and I had to trust God to heal me um to know like that okay I believe like I believe it it took it trust it took trust in his love to heal me to be able to commit to him and it it helped that I grew up you know as a believer and um it was raised as a you know in in that and and my family honoring that and teaching me the ways of the Lord early but I had to have my own personal relationship with him Right. We have to, you can tie that same thing into this work. We have to build those relationships that are trusting to get to the heart yep. before we can get to anything else. And that only comes with being able to listen and sit still. And I know that's hard for us. And even the scripture, it says to sit before the Lord. 
yeah. and be willing to listen. All the stories we could think about. And like, I hear myself talking so much because I'm so passionate about this. <laughs> so Pastor Drew, I see, I see you, you know, relating. And uh, I just, I'm thankful that you brought those points up. And I, I am. I also think people use, I, I think there is a time to go too, right? So like so many people are like, oh, I'm still listening and I'm still learning. But at some point you got to do something too, right? Come like on. You, you can't say like, oh, hey, you've been listening for 12 years and you haven't done anything. So like there is a balance there too, right? Like take the time, don't rush into it, but don't use that as a crutch not to do anything, right? Because restoration are, it's a messy process. It's dirty. It can get nasty. It can get hard. Your feelings can get hurt you keep going and you keep pushing. And so you listen, you empathize, you build trust so you can actually do something, right? Not just sit on the sidelines. Like it's like at some point you got to get in the game, you got to get in the grind. And so I think there's a balance there because I think a lot of people suck at listening and they just want to do stuff. And they're like, no, you need to slow down and listen. And some people you've been listening for way too long. And like, you need to actually try to be a part of bringing restoration. Now let's do something. That's such a good point um, because you're right. Everything's in balance. <laughs> everything's in balance. And, you know, my next question is going to highlight, you know, what should bringing restoration healing look like in these spaces in our communities and what should it not look like? I know you just start to dive into like what it should and what it shouldn't like, it should be a balance. And so did you feel like you had anything else to kind of add to that um, that you wanted to dive deeper in? Because I think it's, it's good and needs to be heard. Yeah. I mean, well, I can, I can tell you what it should look like. It should look like a beautiful uh, coming together of different people with different perspectives. I think unity is a beautiful word where like restoration brings people together, right? It, it breaks down walls and barriers where people who are different work together for the same cause. Um, I think what it doesn't look like is divisiveness or it's, it doesn't look like, Oh, I need to get the credit for this. I think so many people want to bring restoration because they just want their name to be known. That's, like okay. to me, that's not, that's not the point. The point is healing and restoration, no matter who gets the credit. And so I think it's not a prideful thing. I think it's a humble thing that brings people together to make a community stronger. And I, I like to kind of expand on that because that's that's key. That is key because, you know, who is last in the world's eyes, God will bring forth to be first. Right. And I, I, I've, you know, read that scripture so many times and pondered over that because it's just powerful how the world sees you to be what to be first. God often does not. <laughs> and I think it's key that, yes, those who are doing this true good work, um, be uh, real with themselves. What are we doing it for? Are we doing it to uh, take the full glory of the success of the work after you're done? Like, are you in it for prideful reasons? Yeah. Or can you truly humble yourself to know that you can be a change agent, but it takes a village and a team and you don't, you should not have to be the face. Mm. Like what, 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 what goal is that to be the face? The face should be all of us together, like you said, diverse backgrounds, diverse beliefs and perspectives. That's where true change um, and change that, like you said before, you hope to be long lasting comes yeah. from. Yep. Multiple perspectives, beliefs and experiences. There's wisdom and experiences and we all bring a unique approach to the table. And so that's why I just like I shared with you earlier, just 
for me, this platform and uh, it's important for me to have that have diversity amongst um, those who are doing the work in so many different ways. And that's okay because we all have a hand to play just like Jesus, you know, and, and God has talked about, you know, we all have a part to play in a, in a, I don't know, part of the body. <laughs> and so that it's huge. So I love that you dived uh, deeply there. And so um, thank you for that. <laughs> don't thank me. Thank you. You're doing the amazing work of bringing different people together too. And I think your podcast will have a huge effect of allowing people to hear different perspectives, but with the same cause, the same purpose of bringing restoration and healing. And there's no necessarily right way to do it. It's us coming together and seeing the bigger picture and saying, hey, let's all do this together. And I think I love this about the podcast. You're going to have different perspectives that can come together and work together to make a huge difference. Thank you. And that's the goal. And so I, I'm honored and I know that, you know, God has allowed this space to be created. Um, and I'm just prayerfully hoping that, you know, uh, more people hear and listen and grow um, and want to be change agents. Yeah. Um, and that's that's near and dear to my heart. So thank you for that. I, another aspect that I think it's so important to touch on is why is mental health awareness so important in a part of this work? Well, I mean, our culture is dealing with a mental health crisis, right? I mean, it's everywhere. And obviously COVID didn't make it any better. And I think our culture is becoming aware of how important our mind is, how important it is to take care and, you know, watch after our mind. And I think, again, that's part of the healing that our community needs, right? It needs uh, a healing of how we see each other, how we think about each other, And I think we're just getting a small dose of the mental health awareness that, you know, you think of the, you know, our, our souls, mind, body, and soul, like each part is an important piece to God. And we have to take care of each piece. And if one piece is out of whack, it causes problems within all of those things. And so I think mental health awareness is huge, right? You see the suicide numbers just keep going up and up. It it breaks your heart. And I, you know, as a pastor, I want those people to know that, man, God loves them and he cares for them and their life is worth, you know, worth something. It's valuable to God. And, you know, these are things, struggles that are in our culture that, man, I want to see us come together and bring healing to, you know, those areas in people's minds. And I, and I love to hear that, uh, um, not only, you know, in the ways that God has used you, but also in the church, I feel like you've created a safe space. Um, and I'm witness to that to discuss mental health Yeah. and you provided practical supports, study guides, and even offered help with mental health team regarding that. And I know that I honestly, it was a couple months ago, but there was like a sermon series on that and mental health and you tied it into the purpose of the sermon. But that was so important because I feel like too often um, in the Christian community has shied away from. Um, and I think that's important to now more so bring forth the importance of wanting health in every area yeah. of our lives as believers, not just spiritually, but mentally, emotionally, right? Physically all come together. Cause like you said, previously, God wants us in balance. Um, and 
there is balance and having harmony in those, all those areas. And so it's just, I think that's so important. I think over time, the world itself has also lended more of a hand to creating a safe space for mental health to be uh, discussed, talked about. Um, From my perspective of working in the schools, uh, mental health is is key and there's no shame in Mm -hmm. crying out for help. And we're trying to create those avenues and spaces and connect families also to supports for where their their children can get that help if it's needed. Mm -hmm. And um, no one can, you know, be in a corner, isolated, suffering. And we know from, you know, as believers that, you know, the enemy would love no more than to get us in a place of isolation where our thoughts can run wild because it's a battlefield of the mind. And, and, and it's just heartbreaking. I've lost two students in my career and I'm very young, two students to suicide. That to me is wild. And I, I highlight my, you know, me being young in education because I would have never thought I would have seen that so soon in my career. Um, I actually started my internship years ago at Gates Child Middle School. We, we had a suicide on the team of students that I served heartbreaking. And then my first year at East Aronicoit, we had another suicide heartbreaking mm. with babies. These are babies who, who didn't get to live the full glory that God had for them. Mm. And it just breaks my heart. And that's why I, I, I really align with those that really put the spaces together for kids to share their hearts and feel safe to. Yeah. So that, that that's a mission on my heart as an educator yeah. and human period. <laughs> well, and I think one one, like, this sounds weird, but one, like, good thing about COVID is I think it made us all deal with a little bit of mental health. Like, we were isolated, and yeah. we had issues yeah. in our head, and it gave everybody this awareness of a struggle that many people have had. I mean, I, I even had to come in front of our church and say, guys, I'm hurting right now. I'm struggling right now. I've had to battle some darkness in my own life, and I think it's given everybody a space. I love you talked about being real and authentic. Like it's okay to say you're struggling. It's okay. One of my favorite expressions is okay not to be okay, because that's where we find the grace of God and the mercy of God and the healing of God. And so we're not all okay. Right. But because of Jesus's sacrifice, we can be okay. Um, But I think COVID made us all aware that there is this struggle out there and it's okay to struggle and you don't have to struggle alone, right? I think it's like you said, the enemy wants us isolated because when we're isolated, that's where his voice is the loudest. But when we have people around us speaking truth into our ear, his voice diminishes. So good. So good. And you're right. I think if we're to do this work, we have to lead by example. And I saw you do that. I saw you get on the stage and say how hard it was for you to lose your father. And I'll be honest, I really have never been able to really witness a pastor be so authentic and real and share the struggle. And I think that's so important because throughout the Bible, throughout scripture, those who God are anointed or ordained to do great work, even, even, you know, said that they, they would struggle. And I know this last Sunday, and I love this scripture because it just, it's just so powerful when Jesus says, you know, he's on the cross before he gets on the cross. Do I have to God, like basically say like, do I, do I have to do this? Why out me? You know? And like, oh my gosh, that scripture (laughs) is just so powerful because it just shows how real the struggle can be. And even Jesus who is God himself and, you know, 
Jesus even, you know, was was in a moment questioning why I have to. He knew why, but he even had that moment of being yeah. human, you know, like of 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 sharing weakness, of yeah. sharing uh, this pain. And I think, you know, we know that God is not weak and God is not strong, you know, and but at the end of the day, he allowed for Jesus to share that so that we could see ourselves in him right. because we are children of God and be okay to say I'm struggling. Yeah. You know, I, I, I honestly align myself most with um, David because he would weep and he he would weep and he cried to God and say, like, I can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And like we need more of that in life. Like right. we need more realism. When we, we're struggling, say it and own it and be willing to get help. That's right. But like I just like that realness. So I know I've got off a little tangent, but that oh, to you me go, is girl. so you powerful. It. Yeah, it is. We we all put these phony facades up of like pretend life. I mean, social media is that, right? It's the glory of our lives that isn't even real. And it's it's caused a lot of just turmoil and comparison. And, you know, Paul says it like this, in my weakness, that's where I find Christ's grace is sufficient, right? I'm the most powerful when I'm weak because Christ's power rests on me. And so I think we got to get to this place where, hey, listen, I'm broken. I I am. And I want to be real. When I'm struggling, I want people to know it because the more real I can be, I don't want people to put me on a pedestal because I will fall short of that pedestal. I want God to be on that pedestal because he won't fall short of it. Come on. Come on. Like, (laughs) ah, okay. So there's just so much to that. Um, But I also love Apostle Paul. And, you know, I feel like in our society, in our community, there are so many thorns that we face. And I, and I love the scripture where pa- Apostle Paul talks about the thorn in his flesh that God would not take away. That's right. And he begged and he begged and he begged and God won it. And, and that's when he said the scripture you just mentioned of, in my weakness, God's strength is made stronger. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I look at that scripture like, but why me, God? <laughs> it's like Jesus said, why me? Because I feel like I can't speak for everybody, but I do believe in my heart that everybody has a thorn. Mm -hmm. They could be multiple thorns. And there's just so many things right now going on in our society that I consider thorns that impact us so differently, but also similarity, similarly. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, even in the midst of that, God's God's stronger than that. Right. Right. God's God's stronger than division. Mm -hmm. God's stronger than racism. Right. God's stronger than the concerns we're having with mental health. He's stronger than suicide. That's right. He's stronger than that dark spirit that plagues so many of our community. He's so much stronger than the hate and the crime and the murders that are are, are continuing to escalate within Rochester's mm-hmm. community. Yep. And so a little bit more why I'm starting this uh, restora- restoring relationships initiative and, and outlook on life is because we're hurting. Yeah. Our communities are hurting. Mm. Our kids are dying in the streets. Every day I see it. It just, as an educator, I'm more, I don't know, a little more in tune to it It, and it breaks my heart. And so these thorns that we face, I know that God is greater than this Mm. and that he is rising up leaders who are able to be last, not first to bring forth change. That's right. Um, And, you know, that's the essence of this work. And it's, it's, it's a part of, I believe my calling and the calling of so many. And, um, 
I, I just love to hear you had mentioned Apostle Paul and I, I just had to go there. I had to go there, Drew. That's why he's got us here, right? What is, I mean, God's got us here. He's given us his grace so we can take it to, to our community and to our city. I love Rochester, right? I mean, winter, you know, it gets old. Trust me. Come on, it, it does. But hey, you know what? It's almost May and spring. I can smell it. I can taste it. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes. Let's go. And so, but I love this place. And it breaks my heart to, to turn on the news and see the brokenness there. And I just believe God's got us as leaders, you and me, to be a part of the change, right? To be a part of bringing the gospel to the city and to let the world know that Jesus loves them and bring restoration. Like if, if I'm here to, to, to bring a small change to our city and to heal a little bit of the brokenness, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm, I'm in it. Let's go. Because I love this city. It's a great city. And there's a lot of good things. And I believe the best is yet to come for Rochester. Because Northridge Church, we're here. And we want to make a difference. Come on. Come on. And I and I love that, you know, some of the mission statement behind Northridge Church is to call up and rise up leaders mm-hmm. um, for the community of Rochester. Yeah. Um, and I think that in itself is powerful. And we know that through that, there'll be um, a domino effect of impact and change across the globe. And so I just want to, once again, thank you for the work that you are doing um, and that God is doing through you to bring change, restoration, healing, but also rising up leaders to be the the change that you wish to see in the world. And I love that quote by Gandhi. You know, it has some essence to the work that we're doing Mm. uh, of being the change you wish to see. You know, and if you want to see change, well, we have to model that. Right. And I'm thankful that God has given us the space and platforms to do that. Mm-hmm. So so thank you again. Um, I know we're coming to a close, but this has just been such a powerful conversation that's full of authenticity. So thank you for that. I would say, what is your advice um, to our listeners who want to make a dynamic and positive change within their communities? Yeah, I would say to the people who are afraid of, you know, this whole process, like just take one step. You don't have to solve all the world's problems, right? Just take one step and keep taking one step at a time. And so don't be afraid to jump into the game, ask your questions, seek and listen and, and go for it. Right. If, if you don't know where to start, come check out Northridge church, right? We'll, you can be a part of us. We, we want to to be bring restoration. We want to bring healing. We want to be a a beacon of hope for our community. And so if you don't know where to start, come talk to us. We have a huge outreach program in, in, in our church that loves and partners with people in our community to bring restoration in all different areas. Um, And so you don't have an excuse. If I just believe this, if you are a Christ follower, right, you don't have an excuse not to bring restoration. If you've experienced restoration from Christ, he says you have the message of reconciliation or restoration. And so stop sitting around. It's time to get in the game, right? Let's, let's go. Let's do this. I love that. Thank you so much, Drew. And just the, all the insight and your experiences you, you brought. And there's so you're a wealth of knowledge. So like I just, listeners, you know, whether you believe or not, go listen to Pastor Drew. <laughs> go check him out. He's a, they have a podcast from Northridge. Um, sermons as well. You can access online. Um, just, just go hear the wealth of knowledge that, that he has to share um, with our world and the community. Um, Cause I honestly, I could stay on for hours. I would. 
<laughs> and just continue to have this dialogue, which I'm honored, so honored to have. Is there anything else before we, we close, um, Drew, that you'd like to share, mention that you didn't get a chance to? One, I would like to thank you for all your hard work for doing this podcast and for your goal, right? Like the whole mission behind what you're doing, I think is awesome and valuable. And so one, I want to honor you for all your hard work, for your love on kids in our community. Um, You know, what you're doing is not easy, but I commend you. And I would just encourage you, keep going, keep going. You have my support and my love. And if you need anything, we're here. I would also like to say, hey, Sunday's Easter. Right. And the whole reason why there's healing is because, yo, Jesus is alive. Come on. I can't wait to celebrate. And so if, you don't, have, if you don't have a place to, to party, come to Northridge. You can watch online. We're on the CW at 11 to 12. We got multiple campuses throughout the Rochester area. We'd love to party with you. And so, yeah, come join us. Love it. Well, I'm excited to be there and be witness and partake um, in the celebration of Jesus Christ on Sunday. Um, and just hope that this this uh, time with you, Drew, um, opens the doors for others to kind of just see all the work that God is doing through Northridge, through you, um, and that they're invited to be a part of that. And so um, thank you listeners for, for hearing and giving space in your time to hear all the wisdom shared today. And we hope that you are encouraged to go out there and be the change that you wish to see um, and know that you have a role and a place in this world to be that change and make that difference. So thank you.